0: dealership has to understand is their staff is the collective effort of their entire branding efforts. So, you know, a lot of people are going into Jason, I got to create a brand. I got to create a brand. I'm like, well, you actually have a brand. Okay. And if I was creating a new dealership and hiring a new staff, what I'm looking at is kind of go back to that whole money ball type approach is that what I'm going to buy are these little individual brands. So I'm not necessarily hiring on their ability to sell because I can teach them to sell. You know what I mean? I think what I do is, mm-hmm. is now I'm hiring people based on their branding efforts and how well are they able to demand an audience and create an audience? Because at the end of the day, based right. on my manufacturer, before example, I was a Mitsubishi dealership, right? I mean, you gotta understand, the amount of people that are actively in market looking for a Mitsubishi, not very large. So- <laughs> what? 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 You know? So, so, if, <laughs> so if I wanted to hit my targets, I had to create an audience I had to develop an audience. So, you know, if, right. if I'm the only individual in the dealership that's responsible to, for creating that audience, gosh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of weight on my shoulders. So I would look at the sales mm-hmm. people and I'd be hiring them based on their brands and their ability to create and maintain and develop out an audience. I remember when I first started in this business years and years and years ago. Um, I remember a salesperson telling me a story that they had received a $10,000 signing bonus to leave one dealership and come work for this dealership because based on his sales skills and abilities, and so on and so forth. Right. You know, and I kind of look at that today and I'm like, well, clearly I don't think we should be doing that at all. But the same thing is that I would be prioritizing and hiring based on how large someone's brand is, not necessarily their ability to, move and sell cars because I can teach that. I can we, we can train that. We can develop that. Right. Um the, the a right. person's ability to naturally build a brand that's kind of in them.
1: How do you assess that? How, like if, if I'm, you know, a general manager, I'm looking to hire, which totally makes sense by the way. I mean, I, I don't know, like we use so many sports analogies in business. It's funny that it has that this concept of moneyball hasn't sunk in deeper for me yet where it's like you, you know, you need to hire yeah players of the game. You're not like everybody's (laughs) kind of cracks me up. Everybody's resume says excellent interpersonal and communications. They say all these different things and we're like, oh yeah, this person, this, they, they interview well, but how do you assess what kind of player of the game? And that's the cool
0: part when we're taking, looking, we're looking at, you know, buying a brand, because that's what we're doing. We're buying them as a brand is that we can assess how effective the brand is. You know, How effective are they at creating their content out their personal brand? We can take a look at their Instagram accounts. We can take a look at their, if they have YouTube, their Facebook accounts, um, all their social media efforts, LinkedIn, and so on and so forth. Their effort to be able to engage in those channels will help us kind of determine on how they'll be able to help and support the branding efforts at the dealership if we decide to bring them
1: on. Right. This is also interesting because I I think you know you mentioned earlier it's it's 2019 for crying out loud how many dealerships are still blocking social media and YouTube and all of these different things from from the team not and in so doing creating a massive bottleneck in their ability to leverage all of these <laughs> micro brands. Um, so okay, so you you assess them. You you're, I like how you're putting this right. Like you're hiring. You are, you are, wh- what are you saying? You're hiring brands. You're, or not, not yeah. hiring. You're, you're paying for, for these people's, these people's brands. And so this is really interesting because so often it's the, it's the opposite way, right? It's sure. Let's look at their sales abilities. Oh, they have past sales experience, or of course, look at the turnover in, in our industry where it's like, oh, but they, ha- they've worked at three other dealerships. Let's disregard the fact that they've never held a job for more than a year. Um, but they've they've at least worked at a couple of other dealerships, so let's look at that first. But I like what you're saying. Like, no, let's look at one's ability to amplify a message.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, because think that's I mean, especially out here. I mean, I, within a 45 minute drive of where I'm sitting right now, mm-hmm. there are 30 Nissan dealerships. 30. That's insane. Right. Right. If a consumer doesn't have, I mean, if the only story they have to go off is the story of price, which every single one of them out there is pushing. Right. Right. Then what, I mean, look, it's the same car. It's the same payment. It's the same everything. There, there has to be something that differentiates these dealerships. And I believe it's the collective effort of those individual brands within the dealership that will do so. Now, J- people ask me, go, Jason, what does that content look like? Well, you know, the content for these individual brands are designed for their specific audience. You know, for example, I had a dealership hire a gentleman who was a retired professional fisherman. And mm. I think that's the right word. Um, you know, th- and this is what he did. Well, the dealership being kind of, you know, an up North country type dealership as well, decided to start creating a a piece where every single week he'd come on giving advice to other fishermen uh, and, and not advice about cars, but just advice about, you know, the type of lures and great places to go fishing, stuff like that. And that brand started to build out, but that brand was associated with the dealership. Yeah. So they, that dealership's underneath that dealership's umbrella had this, this brand and started to build up more brands from it. So they were creating an audience. They were still targeting audience that were already in market for their product. Yes. But they were creating an audience that was never even considering them in the first place. But they did so by developing out these salespeople's brands.
1: I think it's such a brilliant play. It's a long play. It's a long game play, but it's also can have an immediate impact once you start putting it out there. Like uh, you, you know, the more the more we can realize that the less you speak about the exact thing you sell, and the more you speak about the things that people are interested in, and then marry that, like you said, it's associated with the brand. The more that happens, the more we win because. Um, you know, like you're saying right now, what I'm taking from this is people aren't purchasing just because of price or just because of the vehicle, because all 30 of those dealerships are selling the exact same thing with the exact same incentives, with the exact same options at the same price. But they are they are going to do business. People purchase vehicles from other people they both like and trust, and the sooner you can get on their side, the better
0: hundred percent. You know, I understand as consumers, we, we buy stories before we buy products. You know, I've used this analogy before, but it's one of my favorite ones is, and I'm sure you get the same thing too. When you go to a dinner party and they find out you're in the automotive industry, don't they love to share the story about when they bought their car? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I bought a car once. (laughs) Yeah. No, it never happens. Yeah, exactly. Right. But but the funny thing is that The story that they tell me is never the story of um, I bought the $250
1: biweekly car. (laughs) Right? I'm the one guy that actually got approved for 0.9%. Yeah. So, What kind of car did you get? I got the $250 (laughs) biweekly one. Yeah. Well, how's that going for you?
0: (laughs) That's not the story that we buy into. It's not the story that we continue to tell. But unfortunately, for a lot of dealerships, that's the only story that they're actually out there pushing. Right there, there are a lot more other stories. Now, when you, you you occasionally you'll run into it as well. I'm sure you have, where someone will tell you the story about how great their experience was, and how this one individual made it just very special about them, and they just they talk about that individual in the dealership with just happiness. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we should be striving for. People collect stories. They buy stories before they buy products. And it's the story of not only the dealership, not only the story of the manufacturer, but the story of the people at that dealership. Those are the stories that we'd like to collect.
1: Congratulations, you made it to the end of this little nugget of an episode of The Dealer Playbook Podcast. Now, if you want to listen to the full episode, head on over to thedealerplaybook.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show using your favorite podcast player. That way, you can get notified every time a new episode goes live. You can also stay up to date with everything DPB by connecting with me over on the Facebook page. All you have to do is search for The Dealer Playbook and then click like or follow. And then, of course, I'd love if you connect with me over on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Michael Cirillo. Now, stay tuned, because in another couple of days, I'm going to hit you with another full episode of the Dealer Playbook podcast.